Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. And thank you guys for singing. Uh, you can have a seat. Man, I, I like our band. I like the fact that we now have a cellist. Um, isn't that awesome? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, we, we appreciate everybody, but I just think, I think that's pretty cool because I, uh, I don't know how many bands have a cellist, um, so I feel like we're kind of special there. Um, so, I got a couple things to talk to you about tonight. Um, and uh, the first is, you know, you sang about it, but do you really believe it? That Jesus' name is powerful? Or do you just sing about it? We're going to think about that tonight, but before we get into that, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, an opportunity that our youth group has um, to serve together. Um, As many of you know, every summer we take a high school mission trip. Um, And we have been literally around the world on these trips. Um, We went to Poland one year. Um, We went to the Dominican Republic one year. Um, We've been to Las Vegas a few times and... um, Spread the news of Jesus on the strip, and that was quite the cultural experience. Um, we've, been, we've done flood relief in, um, in Greenbrier County in White Sulphur Springs. We've been to Panama and visited indigenous tribes. Um, there's an opportunity that's opened up for us as a youth group um, for high schoolers um, to serve this summer um, on a mission trip. And I want to share just a little bit about that as we go into our lesson, because I think it's going to kind of tie into our lesson a little bit. Um, Drew, I've got a couple pictures. Do you have those pictures? Yeah, this is a picture um, of a, a small city called Moorhead City, North Carolina. Um, and a lot of you remember Hurricane Florence pounded the Carolinas. Um, this particular city is a very small city. Um, and if you were to... I wanted to put a picture up, but I couldn't find a picture that would fit our screens. But if you were to look at the eye of the hurricane, it passed right over Moorhead City, North Carolina. Um, the entire city was submerged in water. This is the first picture of right on, you know, this, it's kind of a beach town, um, and it's right on the coast. It's on like a bay, and the, the floodwaters from the ocean came in and, and covered these houses that are right at the end of the ocean. I have another picture, too of other parts of the city that were submerged in water. This is a residential neighborhood. So think about the neighborhoods that you live in. Um, This is a residential neighborhood. They said pretty much every residence in this city was flooded. It was the city that was most affected by this hurricane. We have the opportunity as a youth group um, to serve the people of this city um, by helping with some hands-on work, uh, with some demo, demolition work, and some construction work um, in this summer in July in Moorhead City, North Carolina. Um, some of you are a little better at demo than you know, breaking things than you are at fixing things, and that's okay. Um, some of you are better at fixing things. Um, but we're going to be on from July 12th to 18th um, taking our summer mission trip to Moorhead City, North Carolina. And I'm very excited about it. I'm very excited about the... Um, we're going to work with a local church down there. I mean, this is like small-town, southern-type people. You know what I mean? Like, like these, these are very, like, sweet people. These are people that are very excited for us to come down. So I wanted to, I wanted to tell you that for, for two reasons. Um, the first is, on the back table there, I have these cards. And it pretty much just has where we're going. 
It has the dates of our trip, and it has information down here about a meeting that we're going to have for anyone who's interested in going on this trip. Now, to be on this trip, it's a high school trip, so you have to be um, going into high school next year or graduating from high school. So currently, if you're in grades 8 through 12, um, you're, you, you can go on this trip. There are some requirements to go. There's a little bit of money to raise. Um, so we're going to have an informational meeting at 6 o'clock you know, on a Wednesday before refuel on December 5th. Um, so what I want to ask you to do, um, if, if, if you're a high schooler or you're going to be in high school next year, is at, on your way out, just grab one of these cards, um, put it in your Bible, start praying about this opportunity. Um, tell, talk to your parents about it too, because they're going to have some questions, and your parents are welcome to sit in on this meeting too, so their questions can be answered. But this is where God is, this is where God is calling our youth group. Um, I think it's going to match up with a lot of our skills and a lot of our abilities. You say, Matt, I've never done any construction. Like, my idea of construction is construction paper. Um, there, are going to be opportun- <laughs> there are going to be opportunities for people that have had no previous construction experience. Um, if you can follow instructions, um, and if you love people, um, you're going to love this trip. So, so these are back there when you leave. And yeah, a lot of you have had the opportunity to kind of participate on mission trips with us. Um, to serve in Backpack VBS with us. Uh, some of you have been able to like, uh, work in our church's VBS, or you've got to go to camp over the summer. And what I always hear about as we're talking about you know, these things that we do in the summer is it was the greatest, you know, greatest week of my life where I've heard something to this effect. I've never felt closer to God than I did on this particular week. So I want to ask you something. As you're considering... This trip, and even if you're too young to go on this trip, if you're thinking about, oh, I wish I could go on this trip, I want to ask you a couple what-if questions tonight. And I usually have a kind of a, a, an object lesson or an illustration or something. I usually have something cute. Anybody else here like a low hum? Or is it just me? Ah, George. <laughs> oh, that was driving me crazy. Sorry. So, so, and one other thing, guys, please don't, yeah, I know you've take, you like to take a million potty breaks, please don't leave until, we're gonna, it's going to be a shorter lesson, and our, you please, please don't you know, leave until the, the lesson's over. Um, I see a couple people brought water bottles up if you, need, if you really need to take care of it quickly, but um, that's a joke, by the way, I'll kick you out of the youth group if you do that. Um, but what, what if, this is the first what if question, it's not on the screen, but you're thinking about serving God for a week, but what if God wants more than a week out of you? What if God wants more than a week from you? What if he wants every day of your life? What if he wants every day of your life? You know, like I said, I usually have a, a cute illustration. Uh, I usually have a funny video or something to start this. But this is, I'm going to apologize. You, most of you know I like to have fun. I like to joke. Um, sometimes when, I, when I'm nervous about something, I'll kind of lean on my humor because my humor has always been my go-to ever since I was in school. I was the class clown. Um, but tonight, yeah, God has really been burdening my heart so much that I just, I can't be funny tonight. Um, I, I got to talk to you guys. And, you know, sometimes I'm the cheerleader, you know, and I, yeah, I, I'm, yeah, go serve God, you can do it. You know, sometimes I'm the, I'm the coach, you know, saying, get in the game, giving you a smack on the, well, not really. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't, yeah, you know, coach is giving a smack on the, yeah, yeah. sometimes I'm the coach, um, Sometimes I'm the, I'm, I'm the big brother, you know, coming along and saying, come on now, let's change things up. Um, but sometimes, sometimes I have to be your youth pastor. 
Um, and I have to talk about things that I see going on, not just in your life, but in my life too, um, that have, when I compare it to God's word, it, it, it makes me a little nervous. Um, and it's this area of us sharing the gospel with other people. Um, I started asking myself this question two weeks ago. When was the last time me, as a youth pastor, shared the gospel with somebody? I told somebody about Jesus. And I was very convicted. I want to ask you this question too, Christian teenager. Yeah, those of you who believe in Jesus. When's the last time you shared the message, the greatest message ever, the message of Jesus with someone. If your response to that question is anything like my response was, and I asked myself that question, I felt a little ashamed. Um, I felt like maybe there was something, something wrong with me. And then I just thought, well, maybe I just need to start sharing my faith more, but I felt like, I just don't know if I'm ready to do it. This is me being real with you as your youth pastor. I thought, what if I start sharing my faith with somebody and they ask me a question and I don't know how to answer you know, what if I do something like I usually do and say something stupid and put my foot in my mouth? What would happen? And I realized that that was Satan trying to, trying to get into my, my head. I told some of you on Sunday morning, I had the opportunity to share the gospel with a man at the gym. He's 86 years old, still goes to the gym. Um, he wore, he, every time he comes to the gym, he has this hot pink wife beater shirt on. And in bright um, neon green letters across it says swag. He's 86 years old. So I didn't even mean to share the gospel with him. It was, I think God had just been working on my heart so much that the opportunity presented itself and I just went for it. And uh, we were in the locker room. Yeah, we both finished our workout at the same time. And I just mentioned to him, I was like, hey, I like your shirt. <laughs> and he said, oh, my wife got this for me as a joke. And I'm still, yeah, I'm still wearing it. He said, he said, but now it's kind of hard to put it on, he said, because my wife passed away four months ago. And he said, I just, I just miss her so much. And uh, I said, I'm sorry to hear that. And I, I started talking about it. I said, isn't it great that we have the promise of heaven for those who believe in Jesus? And he said, he said yeah, that's great. He said, my wife was a Christian. And she believed in Jesus. He said, we always went to church together. And he says, and I think it's great that she's in heaven. He said, and she was a good lady, a lot better than me. And he said, I just don't see how God would ever let me into heaven because it just wouldn't be fair for God to let my wonderful wife into heaven and me, who was such a bad person and did bad things, into heaven. 86 years old, gone to church his whole life. And, you know, I, I, I tried to, talk with him a little bit, reason with him a little bit, share some verses with him about how it's not how, about how bad you are, but it's about how good God is and how Christ took our sins on the cross. And I could tell we were just weren't connecting. So I thought, I'm just going to save it for later and kind of let him think on it for a little bit. And as we left, he said, thank you for talking with me about this. He said, I've gone to church, the same church for 50 years, and nobody's ever talked to me about whether or not I'm saved. So that was kind of a stake in my heart, too, because I started thinking, how many of you have I had a conversation with, and how many of you do I actually know, believe in Jesus, 
and how many of you are just kind of going through the church thing. It also started to think, if God can use me to talk to an 86-year-old man with a swag shirt on, maybe God can use some of you guys. And this is kind of one of the what-if questions I want to consider tonight. What if God wants to use your story to begin someone else's story? And the passage we're going to look at tonight is Luke chapter 8. And this is an interesting passage. Uh, Sometimes you don't need a Frankenstein on the stage like last week. Sometimes the Word of God just comes so alive that it's so interesting and it just grips you. And this is one of these passages that is going to grip you. So read Luke chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 26. Jesus is on, you've heard, you know, you, we all like road trips, right? Jesus is on, it's not a road trip, it's a boat trip. He's sailing from one stop to another stop on the Sea of Galilee. And the next stop on this road trip is a place called the Gerasenes. So verse 26, it says they, meaning Jesus and his disciples, sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. We're going to kind of go through this verse by verse, and I'm going to give you some commentary to kind of explain what's going on here. So they step out of the boat, and as soon as they step out of the boat, it's kind of one of those things where the city is not right on the edge of the water. It's like a mile walk, you know, to the city. Um, So there's this man there as Jesus steps out. And as soon as Jesus steps out, it says he was met by a demon-possessed man. There's a parallel passage in Matthew and also in Mark that tell us that there were actually two demon-possessed men that, were, that, that, were, that met Jesus. But this guy was the one who was afflicted the most. Talking about this man, verse 27 says, For a long time he had not worn clothes or lived in a house, oh my, but had lived in the tombs. So this man was possessed by this demon, and this demon caused him to tear off his clothes and to run away from safety and live in tombs. Think about that. Back then, tombs were like caves. So it would be like somebody just decided, I'm not going to wear clothes anymore and I'm going to live in a cemetery. Sounds like it should have been a Halloween lesson like a week ago, right? Um, It says, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, what do you want with me? Jesus, the Son of the Most High God, I beg you, Don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of this man. This is the demon speaking. Through this man's mouth to Jesus. And what does he say? He says, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? That should be like a side note and tell us one thing. That even demons acknowledge that Jesus is God. So just because you know who Jesus is, does not mean you know Jesus. Just because you know Jesus doesn't mean Jesus knows you. Even the demons believe and shudder. He says, I beg you, don't torture me. Jesus commanded the spirit to come out of, out of this man. Many, and then it's talking about this man's history with this demon. It says, many times it had seized him. And though he was chained, hand and foot, kept under guard, he had broken the chains and been driven by the demon into solitary places. This is not somebody who is just schizophrenic. This is not just somebody who, you know, who, who was having mental issues. This was somebody who was literally possessed by a demon. This man was so out of control, they tried to chain him down. When they chained him down, he broke the chains. There was a supernatural force living inside his body. Jesus asked him, verse 30, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. They begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. 
The word legion, a lot of times in, in the Roman culture, would refer to troop detachments of 1,000 to 10,000 soldiers. So it suffices to say that this man was possessed, not just by one demon, but by 1,000 to 10,000 demons living inside him. Verse 31, they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. Do you see this reaction of the demons to Jesus? Before people tried to chain this man down, the demons in this man broke the chains. They tried to keep this man in town, the demons made the man flee to the tombs. They tried to put clothes on this man, the demons made the man rip off his clothes. But what happens when Jesus steps onto the shore? The demons go from being to... Right? The demons shudder. The demons cower. The demons tremble at Jesus. There's this new song out that I really like. I'm not a big fan of Christian radio always, but there's this song called Tremble. It says, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. That's not just a song. That is reality. That the, the, the strongest force that this town had ever seen in this man was no match for Jesus. And they're begging Jesus to spare them. The demons are. So they say, Jesus, please don't kill us. Please don't throw us into the abyss, this place that, that God has saved for Satan and his demons. Verse 32, a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. This is where it, it, you think it can't get more interesting. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs. And he gave them permission. First off, it's interesting, the demons couldn't do anything without Jesus' permission. Secondly, he does it. <laughs> when the demons came out of the man, verse 33, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank in the lake and was drowned. Just think about the scene here, okay? First off, you've got this freaky, scary man who's speaking with a demonic voice. Jesus casts the demons out, these thousands of demons, and they go into this herd of pigs. And now, there's this hill that leads down to a lake. And these pigs all start going, wait, 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 wait. Can you imagine? And they all just go into the lake and drown. Like, I mean, we, in 2018, we'd all be like this, you know. But, you know, can you imagine seeing that? Um, Pastor, I think, he, he said it this way. It's kind of corny, but that the pigs committed suicide. <laughs> but, um, but you know, you, the, the, these pigs, you know, they go into the lake and they're dead. So now the guys that are watching the pigs are like, oh, shoot, we're out of a job. We better go tell our boss that we just let our whole herd of pigs drown themselves. So they go into the city and they tell, you know, well, let's, let's read here. Um, it says, um, verse 34, when those who were tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people came back to see what happened. They're like, 10,000 pigs don't usually kill themselves, so I'm going to go out and see what happens. So it says, um, they came to Jesus. They're like, we want to see the guy that did this. And they found the man from whom the demons had gone out of sitting at Jesus' feet. They had never seen this man sit still. He was always in convulsions. He was always being controlled by this demon. He was sitting at Jesus' feet, totally calm. Dressed, <laughs> they're like he definitely don't look like I used. Yeah, 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 yeah. There used to be a lot more to you know, yeah, a lot more to see there. I'm glad he covered us. Though, you know, I'm glad he's covered up now. You know, and he's dressed. This is the first time they. I mean, I'm not trying to be crude or crass or, or even funny here. This was the first time they'd ever seen this man with clothes on. And I mean, it's kind of funny unless you're the man. 
right? And you had the reputation of being the naked guy, that would not be funny. Um, they, they see him sitting there with clothes on, and he's listening to Jesus, sitting at his feet. And isn't it interesting, it says they saw him, and they were afraid. Something you notice in this passage is this common theme of fear. Fear. The demons were afraid. The people were afraid. You're going to see the man is afraid. Those who had seen it, the people that witnessed all this going on, told the people that had just come how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Also, look at it. Every time this man is referred, there's a reference made to this man, it's always the man who was demon-possessed or the man who the demons came out of. He was oh, that that label was always attached to him. Verse 37, Then the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because why? They were overcome with fear. They were afraid. So Jesus, he, he got into the boat and he left. Man, how would you like to be known as the town that kicked Jesus out? Yeah, they're not, they're not the only town either. This, and this is what just, sometimes you'll read something in the Bible and it'll just pick at you. And it'll just bug you. And you won't be able to stop thinking about it. And this is one of those things that I just can't stop thinking about it. Verse 38, the, here's his label again. The man from whom the demons had gone out of begged to go with him. Begged Jesus to go with him. But Jesus sent him away. This is not, does not fit in our normal picture of Jesus, does it? Jesus sent someone away. Why would Jesus send someone away? Jesus sent him away saying, return home. And tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done done for him. So this is my question, and I want you guys to think about it. And I almost want it to bother you a little bit. Why did Jesus ditch the man he saved? Think about it. Jesus just totally changed this man's life. He totally changed this man's life. He gets kicked out of town and this man says, please, I know, there's room in the boat. I know there's room in the boat. Um, you know, you've got that whole lower deck in there. You know, you know, Jesus, please, can I go with you? I have nothing here. I'm known, I'm known in this town as the naked guy who was demon-possessed. I don't want to stay here. I don't want to be around these people. They look down at me. They remind me of my past. Jesus, can I get a, a fresh start? Can I get in the boat and go with you? I think that's what I would say too. What does Jesus say? It says, Jesus, send him away. He says, go home, return home, and tell how much God has done for you. Why did Jesus send him away? Why did Jesus send him away? There are a couple what-ifs that got me thinking. And it got me thinking about maybe a way that you need to be thinking too. That have to do with this man. And the first what-if is, and these are not easy by the way. What if God's plan for you is bigger than sitting in a service? Where did they find the man? They found him sitting at the feet of Jesus. Okay, I can think of no better place to be ever than sitting. You know, can you imagine if Jesus walked in here and I could sit at his feet and I could learn from him? They found this man. You go back one slide, please, Drew. Um, they found this man sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus says, don't sit at my feet anymore. Don't go with me anymore. What if God's plan for you is bigger than just sitting? You know, we talked about how even the demons believe in Jesus. What's the difference between the demons who believe in Jesus and Christians who believe in Jesus? Christians 
follow him and obey him. Jesus, I believe, wanted to teach this man that it wasn't just about claiming that Jesus was Lord like the demons also did, but it was about living as if Jesus was Lord. It's a big difference. It's a big difference. What could be better than sitting at the feet of Jesus? Well, Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 16, he said, it's better for you that I leave so the Holy Spirit can come down and he can enable you to share the gospel. There's a world out there just like this man who is tormented by demons. They may not be possessed, demon-possessed like this man is, but the people that you rub shoulders with, they're fighting demons. The people that you walk by in school and maybe sometimes we kind of look down on because, you know, they're a mess. They're just like this man. They need somebody to tell them. And maybe God's plan for you is bigger than just coming to church once a week, coming to church twice a week, feeling better about yourself and leaving. Maybe God's plan for you is to serve him. What if God's plan for you is bigger than sitting in a service? Next question. What if, what if there are some people that only you can reach? The people that you are surrounded by are no accident. Sometimes we feel that way. Sometimes we get up, uh, yeah, sometimes I, I remember getting upset because I got, yeah, I had to be in a class with this person. Anybody else like that? Yeah. You're like, oh my goodness, I have to be with this idiot, you know, for a whole, you know, for a whole class period. You know. Or sometimes you're very excited because you're surrounded by all your bros or all your bras, you know, and you know, you, you got your people around you and that's exciting. God has perfectly engineered the people that surround you in your life for you to have influence on them and for you to be able to reach him. Look at what Jesus said to this man. He said, return home to your home and tell your people how much God has done for you. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that we're probably going to have 30 people sign up for this mission trip to North Carolina, but how many people are going to be sharing the gospel at school tomorrow? Hmm. There's some people only you can reach. And here's what I shudder to think about. What if there are people that God brought into my life for the sole purpose of me telling them about Jesus, but because I was too scared, because I kept my mouth shut, that was their shot. That was their chance. They may never run into somebody else who will tell them about Jesus before they die. Guilt shouldn't be our only motivator of sharing the gospel but we should think about the consequences of our silence. Next, what if question. What if sharing the gospel with others refuels, I had to put it in there, refuels your relationship with God? Here is the lie that I bought into for a long time that I refuse to buy into anymore. I will start telling people about Jesus when I am spiritually prepared to do so, and when I've received the training that I need to do so. Can I tell you this? You will never be spiritually prepared to share the gospel until you start sharing the gospel. You will never be prepared to tell people about Jesus until you start telling people about Jesus. When you get into college, you have like 101 classes, which are the introduction to college classes, and then you have like 201 classes, which are the more advanced classes. And somehow we seem to think that like reading your Bible is the 101 Christianity, and when you figure that out, then you take the 201, which is telling people about Jesus. I'll tell you this. You start telling people about Jesus, this book's going to start coming alive. 
This book's going to start coming alive. When you start believing what Jesus said, that any man who will come after me must deny himself, must take up his cross and follow me, and you start living that way, you're going to hold on to this book for dear life. Because you know what Jesus said we're supposed to do? is We're supposed to sacrifice things in our life for him. And I was thinking, what is it in a, in a teenager's life that is the most difficult thing to sacrifice? You know, you, you get older, sometimes it's money, or it's careers, or it, you know, it's kids, you know. Um, you know, one of the hardest things for me is going to be is, is that one day I might have to, yeah, I may have to um, watch Addison as she gets on a plane in the airport to go to some other country where I can't guarantee her safety and she tells other people about Jesus and I'm going to kiss her and I'm going to hug her and I'm going to say, go plant the banner of Jesus Christ in a country that doesn't have it and that's going to be hard. But as a teenager, the hardest thing, because I remember, and it's still like this, the hardest thing to sacrifice is your social life. You want to jump start, you, you want to, I know some of you, I just don't feel close to God, I open my Bible, I still don't feel close to God. You want to start feeling close to God? Start telling people about Jesus. I, I, you know me, I love reading the Bible, like I'm Mr. Bible study, study the Bible, study the Bible, study the Bible, do you hear that? Don't put words in my mouth, study the Bible. I think for some of you, sharing your faith with one person, sharing the faith, the gospel, with one person this week would do as much for you as 10 months worth of devotions. Because it's going to make you have to follow what Jesus said. Jesus said in Matthew 28, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey, to observe everything I have commanded you. As your pastor, your youth pastor, if I teach you about God, I've failed. That's not my job. As your pastor, it's not to teach you about God. It's not to teach you about Jesus. It's to teach you to obey Jesus. There are a lot of us, I know we're about out of time, and I'm not going to make it to all my what ifs. This is just where I'm going to park. There are a lot of us who know a lot about Jesus and a lot about the Bible and a lot about Jesus' commandments. We've come to church all our lives. But we don't obey it. We don't do what Jesus tells us to do. And we'll give Jesus a week out of our time to go share the gospel with people that we're never going to see again so we never have to worry about the consequences of it. We never have to worry about losing a friendship. We never have to worry about being labeled the Christian girl or the Christian guy. We won't sacrifice our social status for the gospel. I want to make a big ask of you tonight. Um, I want to ask you to share Jesus with one person this week. If you believe in Jesus, and you don't want to just know Jesus, but you want to be taught to obey Jesus, this is what we have to do. I'm convinced that some of you, including myself, we're at this point in our lives, in our spiritual lives, where... We've, we haven't learned everything there is to know about this book, but we know a lot. But the sticking point, the reason you can't get any spiritual traction in your life, and for me the reason I can't get any spiritual traction in my life is because there's this one area of my life, my reputation, that I won't sacrifice in order to tell people about Jesus. And I'm, not gonna, I'm telling you personally, I'm not going to get any more spiritual growth in my life until I take that step, until I make that sacrifice, until I lay my reputation on the altar of God. 
What about you? Will you share Jesus with one person this week? You may say, Matt, I don't even know where to start. I'm kind of with you, I'm ashamed to say. So skip to the next four application points. Try one of these four ways to share the gospel this week. I'm going to put this on Instagram too, so if you you don't have a pen, take a picture of the screen, write it down. Please, please do one of these things. First, keep a hit list on your person at all times. These are, these are not people you want to kill. These are not people you hate. Um, definitely not that. These are people that you know that are in your life that need to come to Christ. Hey, you go to a Christian school, guess what? You definitely can make a hit list. Because I went to a Christian school, and there were a lot of people that were going through the motions. There were a lot of people that you know, they, they said they believed in Jesus just to make their teachers happy. But there was absolutely no spiritual fruit in, in their life. And Jesus said, by their fruit you will know them. And... There are a lot of unsafe people in Christian schools. There are a lot of unsafe people in homeschool co-ops. I guarantee it. Start making a list of people. You don't know if they're saved or not because you've never asked them. Just keep a hit list on, that, on, your, on your person. Every once in a while, pull it out. Look at the names. And start praying. Pray for that person. Pray for that person. Pray for that person. You know what's going to start happening? Once you start praying for those people, you're going to start finding opportunities to share the gospel with them. Next one, Drew. Sorry, I'm trying to go through them quick. I I hope this doesn't come across too hard. (laughs) Um, But I don't know how else to say it. Use your social media to promote Jesus instead of yourself. I mean... I know we all like getting likes on our, on, our, on our pictures, and we'll even go so far as to post a story that says, will you please like my recent picture because I want more likes. Oh, some of you are laughing because you're probably the ones that do it. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not giving you a hard time about it, but here's all I'm saying. Here's all I'm saying. You've built a huge following for yourself on social media. Will you give it to Jesus? Post one Bible verse this week. And even though it won't get as many likes as your recent beach picture or your recent like sunset Instagram thing, point people towards Jesus. The next one, and this may be the easiest one, invite one person to our Thanksgiving dinner next week and follow up with them. I've changed the rules this time. Yeah, a lot of times what we do is we, it, it, we have Thanksgiving dinner, I give a little gospel-like message, and you know, I say, if you want to you know, if, if receive Christ as your Savior, you know, Pray this prayer. I'm not going to do that this year. I'm going to clearly explain the gospel. And here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say, if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, sometime tonight, ask the person who brought you how you can be saved. And here's what I want to do. I'm I'm going to try to set you up for this. I'm going to give the clearest presentation of the gospel as I can. And when you go home with that person and you drop them off, when you see them at school the next day, ask them this question. So what do you think about Matt's lesson on Wednesday? If they say, man, it sucked, I hated it. Well, you can, <laughs> you can start a conversation with them about why my lesson was so terrible and so wrong. But it gives you an open door. And, and here, here's the final one. Um, here's the final one. Sometimes you just have to ask someone point blank, what do you think about Jesus? I got to that point with that man at the gym. He told me what's he, what he thought about Jesus. He thought Jesus was a great person, but that Jesus couldn't save him. Now I know where he stands. Now I know what I need to do. I need to introduce him to a Christ who's big enough to save. What about you? I truly believe that God wants to use your story to start somebody else's story. Well, you, I'm not asking you to do something I'm not, I'm not doing myself. And 
you, I don't want you to feel bad about yourself any less than I felt bad about myself. I, th- I think some of us are at this point. If we want to grow in Christ, we've got to take that next step. Um, so let's pray, and then we'll get out of here. Um, Father, I pray that you'll forgive me for my lack of obedience. Um, God, a lot of times I'm a lot more worried about me, what others will think about me, my reputation, and my feeling good about myself. I'm a lot more worried about those things than I'm about making you happy than I am about your name being glorified. God, there's a lot I could have said that I didn't get to say and a lot I didn't mean to say that I said. But God, I pray that you'll, you'll take what we learn from your word about how you want us to go tell people and that we will obey it. And God, I pray that because of teenagers taking those steps, that people will be saved from hell because of their obedience. And that because of their obedience, God, that you'll reward them with, you know, with this next season of their spiritual life to where you know, everything in your, in your word is making sense and, and their prayer life is, is, is vibrant because they're dependent on it. I pray that you'll work through our youth group. God, it's not good enough that we just come feel good and leave. We are called to reach the world and it starts right here. So I pray that you'll use this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.